a world of choices. And as we move towards the elections that are happening in our country, we have choices. Maybe a few years back, we did not have a choice called the Aam Admi Party, but we have a choice today. We have a few more choices with many more people coming in into the race. But more than that, we have a bunch of choices on our smartphones with a lot of apps for the same use. As I was driving into this auditorium this morning, someone told me that you got to be here at least half an hour before because you will not get a parking place. That was not the case some years back. You could just come in, you could park your two-wheeler or whatever it is. When I grew up, and I'm sure some of you who have some gray hair like me, who are 40 plus or 35 plus, you would recollect that we had just one television channel those days. We had one scooter brand, which was very popular, Bajaj Chetak. And we had a big car and a small car, an ambassador or a Fiat. But today you have possibly more than about 20 brands of cars right here. And we're moving slowly towards a place in life where people need to exercise their opinion, their choices, and make the rightful choices. And at the same time, people are having their own decisions being made, saying that I'm going to make a choice on my own morality. We're living in a generation which is a postmodern generation. The judiciary has opinions on even some straightforward cases on how much to punish a guy who is a rapist or a murderer. And we wait for those verdicts, though morally, internally, we are very clear as to what the verdict should be. The world is looking, while it is exercising these choices, internally, somewhere deep inside, the world, world is looking for something which is immovable, something which is absolute. And today's culture is classified into two. One is, we have a culture of lies. We're living in a world of postmodernism. Second Timothy chapter three verses one to nine. Second Timothy chapter three verses one to nine. It says, "But know this: that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers." of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away, for of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also who resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. It's so reflective of our culture. It's so reflective of the pluralism that is prevailing in our culture. It's so reflective of the prevalence of a culture of lies. The second thing that we see about our culture today is today we are having a culture of death where sin is becoming mainstream. People look at something and they applaud it just because it is amusing though there is sin that is happening. The kind of stuff that we see on television today, we would not dare do what we see on the television but we sit and we enjoy. The late Michael Landon, uh, an evangelist, said this once, let us face it, 
Television is an invention where you're entertained in your living room by people who you wouldn't have in your own house. Think about it. You're being entertained by people who you wouldn't dare having in your house, hosting them. It's so unfortunate that we bring that viewpoint, that culture, that happening, those visuals into our bedrooms, into our living rooms, and we watch it, though sometimes we do not approve it because we find it amusing. But somewhere, that's where we become so pluralistic in our viewpoint and we approve it somewhere subconsciously and we keep watching it. We talked about piracy this morning. Thank you, brothers, for sharing about that. Like, and, and, and it's important that we, we are aware that when we use something which is pirated or we copy an MP3 file, you know, we are actually stealing, right? Similarly, when we start looking at stuff which is immoral, we are corrupting our minds. We're bringing in a piracy into our own minds. Our shopping malls are filled with loud music today so that we just go there and finish our shopping as early as possible and walk out as soon as possible so that somebody else can come in. And everywhere you go, we are programmed to buy the same thing, listen to the same music. But the Word of God says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If sinners entice you, do not consent. Now, which talks about a choice. You need to exercise a choice there by saying that I do not consent. You need to do something. Charles Spurgeon once wrote about a Welsh lady that he visited when she was in a hospital bed. And he went and told her as she was lying on a hospital bed when he prayed for her. And he asked her, sister, are you sinking? And she answered him not a word but looked at him with an incredulous eye. And then he looked at her again because he wasn't able to understand why she was so silent and why she was so blank. And he asked her again, sister, are you sinking? Again, she looks at him without blinking an eye incredulously. And the third time when he asked her, sister, are you sinking? Then she stands up and says, how can you say that I'm sinking when I'm standing on a solid rock of the Lord Jesus Christ? No sinner can sink when they have their foundation on the solid rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, I'm not sinking. And that's the promise that God gives to us. In a world which is so fluid, he expects us to be rock solid because he is the rock himself. And the rock has a place many times in history, in biblical history, whether it is the Mount Ararat where the new world began, when the, the, the ark of Noah landed back on a mount, whether it is the Mount Moriah where Abraham's faith was tested, whether it's the Mount Sinai when the law was given to Moses, whether it's the Mount Horeb where the tabernacle was designed, whether it's the Mount Carmel where Israel was made to, called to make a choice between Baal and God, whether it's the Mount Hermon where Jesus was transfigured, whether it's the Mount Calvary where Jesus was crucified, or whether it's the Mount Olivet where Jesus ascended to heaven, or the unnamed Mount where Jesus gave one of the best sermons ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, there is a special emphasis that has been given on a mount and the rock. A few things I want to share about the rock and the rock of Jesus Christ himself as I build a case for the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. First and foremost, a rock gives us a firm foundation. 
Look at Psalm 40 verse 2. Psalm 40 verse 2. It says, He also set, brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. If we were to walk without floundering, if we were to walk without stumbling, if we were to walk without going here and there, wobbling, we need to walk on a firm foundation. And that's the rock. And who sets us up on the rock? It is the Lord himself who picks us up from a miry clay. Think about it. Think about it. I don't know if, if any of you tried driving through a mushy road. You don't have a control over your vehicle. You keep driving, but the vehicle keeps moving this way, this way, this way, this way. And sometimes if you don't have a four-wheel drive, the wheels keep rotating just where they are. And you get stuck there. And the more you accelerate, the more deeper you go into it. That's exactly the way it would be if you're on a miry clay. You keep walking, but you don't get a foothold. You don't move anywhere. You're just there, exactly at the same place. But if you're on a rock, you move forward. And that's what... The rock does to us, it gives us a firm foundation. The second thing about the rock is that the rock provides us riches. A rock is a place where you get riches. Today, one of the best natural resources that we can think of, that's the, uh, the oil that you get, is again a product that comes from the rocks. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 13. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 13. It says, He made him ride in the heights of the earth that he might eat the produce of the fields. He made him to draw honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock. There's something so sweet as honey that comes from the rock and there's also oil that comes from the rock. So not only are we getting a firm foundation on the rock, but we also have riches. Thirdly, the rock provides us shelter. Augustus Topladi, once he was going through the hills and there was a thunderstorm. When he was in the thunderstorm, he was running helter-skelter to find some place to rest till he comes to a small crevice inside a rock and he goes and rests there. And as that water was going outside of that rock, in the year, 19, in the year 1775, he found a piece of paper which was lying there. He picks up the piece of paper and writes a beautiful song which says, Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. It's like the beautiful crevice where this man hid himself from the thunderstorm that we hide ourselves in the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 2. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 2. God himself refers to himself as the rock. It says, No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Something which is firm, something which is immovable, something which is so stable is compared to God, the holy of holies the ancient of ages, the unchanging one, the one who laid the foundations for the whole earth, the one who is the chief cornerstone for us, the one who wants us to build the foundation for our own lives on himself. That's the rock, the God himself. Deuteronomy chapter 32 thir verse 37. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 37. It says, He will say, 
where are their gods the rock in which they sought refuge this god who is the rock is challenging where are their gods the rock in which they sought refuge they don't even exist those rocks don't even exist they can't even give give protection then it says like this is who i am i'm the rock isaiah chapter 44 verse 8 isaiah chapter 44 verse 8 it says do not fear nor be afraid have i not told you from that time and declared it you are my witnesses is there a god besides me indeed there is no other rock i know not one isn't that amazing that god himself is offering himself as a protection for us as a shelter for us as a provision for us and he's saying that i am the rock Now, jesus was referred to as a rock himself if what we read just now is all from the old testament move on to the new testament in first corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 first corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 and it says and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was christ it talks about a rock from which you get the rivers of life it talks about the rock from which you get water it talks about the rock which is the lord jesus christ himself if you're looking at something immovable today if you're looking at something solid today if you're looking at protection in the world that we're living today from all kinds of philosophies all kinds of accusations that the world might put on us as christians of being different or as being challenging as being weird possibly because we don't conform to the world but we have a new viewpoint that's when says jesus is the rock something interesting about jesus being the rock is first and foremost that this jesus is the rock of creation it's from that rock that we came deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 18 deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 18 it says of the rock who begot you you are unmindful and have forgotten the god who fathered you you and i not just build our foundation on the rock but we are also called to be rocks of ourselves that's why i started off saying at the beginning of this message that in a world which is so fluid it's we who need to be rock solid in a world which is full of uncertainties it's we who need to be rock solid because we are a rock ourselves because we were born out of a rock it says of the rock who begot you you are unmindful and you forgot the god who fathered you this is the rock of creation let's go back to the design principles in the design principles we have all been designed to be rock solid we have not been designed to be carried away by the trends we have not been designed to be drifting by what the world views keep changing with but we have been designed to be rock solid we've been designed to be the salt of the earth we've been designed to be the light of the world which means that we are designed to be different we are designed to bring stability to the world the second thing about this rock is that this is a rock of justice deuteronomy 32 verse 4 deuteronomy 32 verse 4 it says he is the rock his work is perfect for all his ways are justice a god of truth and without injustice righteous and upright is he look at this 
It talks about his work being perfect. It talks about all his ways being justice. A God of truth, a God without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. Look at the world that we are living in today. And the world today is looking for perfection. The world today is looking for justice. The world today is looking for truth. The world today is looking for integrity. You join any corporation, you're asked to sign a you know, code of conduct, business code of conduct, which is based on principles of integrity. You're expected to be truthful. Your work is expected to be perfect. And you seek justice all the time. Everyone seeks justice all the time. Where does that come from? The source is not from man, but the source is from God, the rock of justice. But as we move today, as Christians, as human beings, we keep facing a lot of things which are so different than what people faced earlier. In the month of June, Walt Disney in the Disneyland is going to be celebrating what is called as a gay day. It's in the magic kingdom that they have in the Disneyland that they're going to be celebrating it. Where thousands of children would be exposed to what it is to have a gay lifestyle. They go there for amusement, but in that amusement park, in that magic kingdom, they would be celebrating a gay day. And people would ask, what's gay? What's a lesbian? And they would be explained what it is. And they would even be told that it is normal to be that way. Just two days back, if some of you are familiar with a company called Mozilla, which has a product called Firefox, which is a web browser, the CEO of Mozilla resigned because he had made a donation of $2,000 way back in 2008 for an organization which was investing in teaching people about the rightful marriage between a man and a woman. So he was branded, he was bullied, and they, were, he, they told him that you do not support same-sex marriage, you are against same-sex marriage, and he was forced to finally put in his papers. The United States sees month after month, a lot of picketing happening in front of a chain of restaurants called the Chick-fil-A restaurants. The Chick-fil-A restaurants are owned by Christian, a Christian family, and they openly denounce the gay lifestyle. A program called the Duck Dynasty. You had a family, the patriarch of the family, which, which, uh, who, who openly said that the gay lifestyle is wrong, was asked to step down. They later took him back into the show, though. Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, donated $2.5 million in 2012 for a movement which would redefine marriage in the Washington state and recognize the gay marriage. That's the kind of investment that's been made. Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks, when a shareholder asked him about gay marriage and why Starbucks was supporting gay marriage and saying that in case you support gay marriage, aren't you worried that some of your share prices would come down? He told the investor openly, if you're saying that you need a return of 38%, and if it's not coming in because of our principles about gay marriage, you're free to leave and invest somewhere else. And he was applauded after that. 
because of the stand that they took on gay marriage. I don't know what kind of situation you would be facing in your offices for some of the stand that you take on issues of morality, on issues of sexuality, on issues of integrity. People might come and ask you a question, or people might observe you doing certain things which are different than the way the world does. Because the Bible calls us not to be conforming to the world, but be transformed and renewed in our minds. And when we are transformed and renewed in our minds, we are meant to act differently. We are meant to take, make the right choices. When sin entices us, we should not consent. Not only that, we are supposed to show the way to others. And that's when it's such a nice thing to know that we have this rock, which is the rock of justice. God who's a God who's of justice is the rock and we are his children and he's watching over all of this that is happening and he's the one who brings in justice into the world. The third thing about this rock is that the rock is a rock of salvation. Second Samuel chapter 22 verse 47. Second Samuel chapter 22 verse 47 it says, The Lord lives, blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. Not only is he a God of justice, but he is also a rock of salvation where there's a provision for salvation in that rock. Second Samuel chapter 22 verses 2 to 3 says, the same chapter, chapter 22 verses 2 to 3, the, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. God is my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. Anytime does fear grip you about the way we are leading our lives today? About the way that we need to take a stand? Here is our fortress. Here is our refuge. There would be persecution. Persecution is not because we have a Christian name. Persecution would come because we have a Christian walk of life. Because the spirit of Antichrist is everywhere. Anything that you do which is according to the biblical principles, would be challenged by the world. Anything that we say which is according to the biblical principles would be hated by the world. And we are bound to face persecution because of the stand that we take. But here is the rock of salvation who says, in whom will I trust? He's my shield, the horn of my salvation, a high tower, my refuge, my savior, and thou saves me from violence that's where we run to the frame of reference also becomes the frame of refuge Psalm 32 verse 7 Psalm 32 verse 7 it says you are my hiding place and you shall preserve me from trouble where do we run to when somebody points a finger at us where do we run to when someone mocks at us God is the hiding place the rock of refuge. Romans chapter 12 verse 19. Another verse which is such a beautiful promise. Romans chapter 12 verse 19. It says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, said the Lord. If someone is accusing us of a lifestyle which is different from the world, we do not need to conform. We can still take a stand because God is witness of what's happening. The last thing about this rock is that this is a rock of life. John chapter 7 verse 37. 
John chapter 7, verse 37, it says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. That's the rock to which we go for drinking. Our security lies in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our security lies in that rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our life giving force comes in from that rock which gives us the river of life. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 it says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If we realize that we have been begotten by that rock and we are also an integral part of that rock, it's such a beautiful promise for us to know that we have been cleft out of that rock and we are still part of it and we have the life coming in from there. And the word of God says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus from all fear, from all confusion, from all anxiety. And will also give you the wisdom on how to face any more challenges that come our way. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. It talks about the beautiful position that we have. It says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For he who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that amazing? Having the mind of Christ in us. Being part of Christ himself. And then thinking the way God thinks in a world which is full of confusion. That's a beautiful privilege that we as children of God have. That we as those rocks which have been hewn out of, those, out of the rock of creation have as a beautiful privilege. In closing, a couple of verses in Isaiah 51 verse 1. Isaiah 51 verse 1, it says, Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to the rock from which you have been now that's the identity that we have. Our identity is not because of which community we belong to, because of which gated community we live in, because of which company that we work for, because of what kind of clothes that we wear, because of what kind of a job we have, because of what kind of a viewpoints of the world we embrace, because of what kind of a group on Facebook we like. Which, because of what kind of community we are part of. You know, today when interviewers and hirers in organization 
look at profiles of people. They just don't look at the resume alone, but they also look at, look at your LinkedIn and your Facebook profiles and see what kind of stuff you like, what kind of comments you're making and stuff like that. But our identity, more than anything else, is in Christ Jesus, the rock from which we have been hewn. I want to leave that message for each and every one of us. If we go back to that rock, because we belong there, build a foundation on that rock. And if we drink out of the living waters that come from that rock, we're going to be a blessing to many people. Lastly, John chapter 7, verse 38. John chapter 7, verse 38 says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. In a world which is confused, in a world which is struggling to make choices, in a world which is bombarded by different worldviews, the only place where the living water can come out is from the innermost being of you and me as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ as children of God as the ones who have been hewn from that rock and the ones who have been placed here as the rock just as the Lord said to Peter on this rock I shall build my church today I think that's what he's speaking to each and every one of us on this rock that is you and I he would like to build the church many more would come Many more would taste the goodness of God. Many more would worship the living God. Many more would drink out of those living waters. Shall we all just stand up and pray this morning time and thank God for giving us an identity and hewing us out of that beautiful rock, the rock of creation, the rock of salvation, the rock of justice. Father, we thank you for we are not orphaned, but we have a relationship. We thank you because we have an identity. We thank you because we have been given a mind. That's the mind of Christ to put on. To wear an attitude of Christ. To look through the eyes of the scriptures. To be guided by the Holy Spirit. To lead a life which is not just a defensive life when different worldviews come to us, different philosophies come to us, but also, Lord, to lead a life which is a blessing to others where we take your good news into the world, your perspective into the world, and be change agents. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful thing that you put in us, in our innermost being, called the streams of living waters, and putting us as a rock in the world on which you will be building the church. Thank you, Lord. We pray that you would continue to use us, bless us, glorify yourself in us, and continue to strengthen us. Special blessings, Lord, we pray for, for this assembly. Even as your saints are gathered here, and as, even as they go out into the world, we pray, Lord, that every moment of their life would be a life of victory in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.